Welcome to Playwright, a podcast about creating and sharing new ways to play. My name is Ryan Heyman. You can call me H. And I'm Ryan Quintel. You can call me Q. Q. Uh, that is not the Q that has been taking the internet by storm over the past no. few years. Um, maybe we should rethink the way that we... Uh, the way that we identify ourselves. We don't want people tuning into this because they think they're getting cue drops. Yeah, I, <laughs> that, that is actually, I, I don't know if the best term is that has been a serious concern of mine, but surely <laughs> I've looked at, let's say the development of the keyword cue over the past uh, mm-hmm. and have not been super happy with it. It'd be great if we can get on the official Wikipedia entry, you know, in between divulging uh, fake government secrets. Q likes to spend time podcasting. <laughs> I think that would be a real positive development. Yeah, I, if we could, if if we could just simply bring Q. I think if it was just my Wikipedia page, I, I have a real shot of uh, of making it a positive. Really trying to, really trying to get people to enjoy their Q. Not that we necessarily want to pull in the uh, the other Q's target audience, but. Um, you know, I guess any publicity is good publicity, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, ugh, now I worry about like, what will I forever be associated with? You know, the truth is, I think we're I'm actually, you know what I should ask, assuming that you are not the only Ryan, right? Uh, mm-hmm. When you go and, you know, at, at your job, whatever, whatever other social situations you're in, I'm assuming that you don't go by H in those scenarios. Well, I think if you're in a social situation, then you just kind of make eye contact with the person you're talking to, and you don't often have uh, reason to address people by their name like you would on a podcast. But um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's not something that I often uh, I often deal with too much. I'm gonna have to go and, and look at you know look at what other Nick I've been. Have you been Rye? Do you get Rye a lot? I don't really. Um, I don't really have a lot of nicknames. I feel like it's difficult to nickname Ryan because I only have four letters. There's very little you can take away from it and it (laughs) still retains an element of uh, identification. Well, I've definitely, I mean, occasionally I'll get a rye and even rye like catches me off guard in some ways. So Mm -hmm. happy to be, happy to be cute with you. Hopefully the world will it's like um, we can think of it like the James Bond character. That's kind of fun, right? Right. Q branch. I'm I'm giving you gadgets. <laughs> oh, let's go ahead and get started with some video game pitches. I'll be going first this week, in which I am bringing you a tower defense style game in which um, the defenses that you set up are all physics based, and they go wrong more than they end up going right. I want to say they're uh, whether the pillars that support them end up degrading pretty quickly or whatever, uh, basically your weapons over time either kind of break free from the ceiling or topple the pillars that they're placed on top of, or the bullet spray pushes the gun in the opposite direction, and then all of a sudden they're just kind of like sliding all around the battlefield like a fire hose. But anyways, I just want um, I want something where it's basically turns from your kind of ordered tower defense setup into a kind of random spray of chaos and um but it's still okay for you to accomplish your goals. So uh, it's a bullet hell. I'm uh, do you expect that this the chaos is something that I don't know, we could do the traditional power up route, but I feel like we've done that before. Sorry, not a bullet hell. This would be a tower defense type of experience. Oh, okay. All right. What are some of your favorite 
tower defense games because I love. I actually don't like the genre at <laughs> all, so I'm not the best one to be asking about this. <laughs> no, this is perfect. You're the perfect person to talk to because what don't you like about the genre? Because you know me, I love the I love the minutia of earning credits and incrementally upgrading a tower until mm-hmm. you know, like I could I could go on forever and over and ever with it, but. Um, I don't necessarily I think I don't like that choices are made before feedback can be relayed to you. Oh. You just kind of have to watch over time whether or not you made the right choices at the beginning rather than being able to kind of meaningfully adjust things as you go. And it's pretty clear if you mess things up, if you place a tower in the wrong place at the beginning, then yeah. you just kind of have to wait through this whole slow procession of your failure that you're be really unable to do anything about until you retry. See, that's interesting to me because now I feel like you are getting into what if we did that for a second? What if we made this something where you actually get some level of control over over what essentially what you're hearing, like or or, or what you're getting in feedback? So, what if it's it's more like I recently installed um, ooh, I'm very fancy. I recently installed a bidet, which is probably a whole kickoff topic mm-hmm. we can talk about. <laughs> but in that, uh, dealing with any sort of water system, right? If if I didn't have the ability to shut the water off, water is kind of always flowing. So I wonder if there's a tower defense that's not like all tower defense is about stopping enemies from reaching a location. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if there's a twist on it that is slowing down a drip or like fixing it like a leaky faucet. Does that so, make sense? Uh, how would that dif- differ from like regular tower defense in which you do have kind of a constant flow of enemies that you're hoping to uh, reduce before the kind of load on the end of the line becomes more than those guns can manage? I think the thing that to me it's um, is different in my mind is that this would, this is about controlling the flow of something and not necessarily defending a point. I know it's called tower defense, but the 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 mitigation strategy is to eventually get the drip to be zero, but there's no like base health or anything like that. It's just where would you place these towers and stuff to eventually get an overwhelming amount of enemies or whatever down to a, you know, effectively zero, but it's not it's not like a build up, lock in, and then wait to see what happens. It's like a continuous push and pull. I don't know if this is making a lot of sense, but this is where my, my mind is. I think there have been some tower defense games that incorporate kind of a real-time combat element to it as well. Whether it's, um, I think some of the Assassin's Creed early kind of tower defense games had sections where like not only could you set your defense units but then you yourself would be able to man turrets and move around the battlefield a little bit or iron brigade i think that was what the um double fine game was called where you kind of walked around in a big world war one era mech it was essentially a tower defense and then you had one kind of powerful unit that you could use to sweep up the rest of the battlefield so in that way, I mean, I think there are, I mean, even MOBAs in a way have tower defense types of elements, depending on how you choose to play it. And that does kind of address the the sense of uh, of powerlessness once the game starts. But I think more than anything, like part of like the 
the core appeal of tower defense is to take a seemingly unmanageable situation and turn it into something just due to your careful planning that has been effectively mitigated. I think it'd just be so much fun if everything breaks and everything goes completely crazy and wild. It strips that level of control out of it. I don't know how to make that into an interesting game rather than just a screensaver because you're kind of surrendering control (laughs) over whether or not the player is able to win, you know, via their own actions, which could kind of suck. I don't know. But uh, I just want to see if there's interesting ways that we can inject randomness into that. Yeah. What if, I don't know if we've seen something like this before, but what if tower defense almost as a physics puzzler? And so mm-hmm. if the, if we use these people like, um, uh, like it's halo, like it's the flood or something. And these, these characters are, are just amorphous. They fit into all the nooks and crannies and they're almost more like a liquid than anything else. And blocking them off or changing their path means that you're going to get a heavier concentration of them in different areas as they like spill out and start going down other paths. So the AI is, is it's not necessarily like smart AI. It's just like brute force AI. And you kind of, every level is a tower defense puzzle in terms of what, what areas can you funnel the enemies to the overspill of the enemies to such that they're not like breaking in at multiple places. And then like you could have throughout the course of a level, if you wanted to do a timer um, moments where enemies start to like spill in from other areas or whatever. But now you get something that is like, okay, I finally built up this defense in, in this way where I've like, I've got a wall or something, maybe even holding people back and they're spilling over into this other area. But if I, if they collect too much at this wall, then they might break through. And it, it is like more that leaky pipe type of feeling. And so you're really trying to like funnel them uh, almost liquid style into the path where they will meet the most of your defense towers all at once. And the other areas are really about like spillage mitigation, if that makes any sense. I think we've talked about in the past, we talked about kind of alternate styles of tower defense games. I think some that kind of funnel people through a mall or other kind of crowded areas or... I think one that funnels people past the maximum number of advertisements. And so I, I do think this kind of crowd mitigation aspect is is interesting. Um just trying to think of other kind of ways that don't that don't get too close to um to what we've already done before. I think if there was some if there was some feeling of this, uh like that made it feel like Sea of Thieves the way you try and bail out your ship when it's filling with water, if there's something that's like just kind of an emergency valve, like scoop out these enemies. And I had that kind of manual control while I'm dealing with the tower defense that, that, like you said, that idea of almost like the Ghostbusters laser-esque spray and pray chaos happening alongside the more structured kind of tower builds, I think is to me very, very fun and, and far more actiony. It's more arcadey and engaging. Okay, so what could be fun actually is a way of mitigating. So let's say all of your defenses do break pretty quickly. And it's not just that they stop firing, but they start just kind of firing in any random weird direction. 
maybe you play kind of an on-the-ground repairman who can hop over to these various defenses yourself and try to fix things so they're firing in the right direction again. But as the battlefield becomes more chaotic with bullets flying in every which direction, like those stray bullets can still hit your enemies. They can still do part of the job for you. And maybe part of the strategy is knowing ways in which these various types of weapons break and using that to your advantage. Um, But also you want to kind of set safe routes uh, to all these weapons for yourself to take. So you're not getting pelted with bullets uh, throughout the match. That sounds like fun. And then now you're, now you can kind of, I like the idea of, of getting injured and having to maybe get to a first aid station, heal yourself, do, do something to like put yourself back in the fight in many ways that could work. And it kind of, uh, it celebrates this idea of kind of randomness and chaos without completely forfeiting the round to just RNG. That's, uh, that's 10 minutes on that one. Let's give it a name. It's like, this is like tower offense. (laughs) In I think we way. used that name specifically before, though. <laughs> of course we have. To uh, to go back to the Sonic the Hedgehog series, we could call this Chaos Control. Chaos Control's pretty good. I was going to say, like, Crumbling Towers, but that, that almost sounds like an Angry Birds game. And that would be a good kind of mobile puzzler. I like uh, Chaos Control. All right. And then chaos we bring in the control. Chaos Rings let's, and the whole go thing. For it. Q, it is your turn to give us another Q drop. The Q drop, the Q, the Q drop from Q branch this week, a Mario Maker style game where a community can kind of construct levels, but the levels are all kind of in the vein of Trackmania almost um, is an inspiration for this. But I would love to con- have community construction levels of escape sequences, a la what we get in our Uncharted's and uh, and even our Crash Bandicoots. Um, where you are a character who's running away from things and you have to run, jump, climb, sometimes combat your way out of, uh, these, you know, 30 second or one minute long, maybe a couple minute long sequences. Um, but that, uh, those can be the worst sequences in a game. I want to see if we can turn them into a fun community generated experience. When I hear escape sequences, I think a lot of uh, Ori in the Blind Forest and Ori in the Will of the Wisps has some good chases. Um, additionally, Rayman Legends, I think, still kind of does the most fun things with those where they kind of sync up the those types of uh, of escape challenges to music. And so listening to the music can inform you as to when to hit the buttons and... Um, it becomes not only a reactive, but a predictive exercise as well. Uh, very memorable stages in, in, in both those games, actually. So so you, you referenced a couple of kind of 3D types of games. Is that, the, uh, is that the perspective you'd like to set this in? These sequences are so crazy and elaborate, but also very scripted, right? So maybe there is, if you, if you choose a locale, you know, say... inspired by uncharted we say tropical island i love the idea of giving a player tools to create bridges and 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 you know mountain cliffs and ropes and all of these obstacles essentially but then also program in how they're going to explode or collapse or and everything along the way so you you have a little bit of fun 
creating just the spectacle as the as the creator but then mario maker style you're forced to kind of escape your own death trap um throughout the course of of play to ensure that the community can also escape said trap so i was thinking in that vein of of uncharted but you know true more true to the mario maker form maybe the 2d ori stuff is a little easier to to design you know i wonder if we haven't had kind of good i mean we've had dreams as a 3d game creation tool and that is very capable in and of itself but um, dreams isn't quite as prescriptive as mario maker where it does kind of force you on this kind of left to right trajectory uh straight line i mean not necessarily straight line there can be ups and downs on your way there but dreams is a bit more open of a field than mario maker whereas you know the the best escape sequences and uncharted and crash bandicoot are all kind of like hallway sections i would say you know they're they're kind of straight into or out of the screen but um, punctuated by obstacles and a relatively limited range of movement i think having like a big wide open world mario 64 peaches castle type of escape sequence would be difficult to coordinate because you know it's one of those like why don't you just step a few inches to the side to avoid this obstacle that's that's pursuing you uh but um so i think whether it's in 3d or 2d by perspective we would still be kind of thinking about it with 2d tools it's almost it would almost mm-hmm. be interesting if you could design it in 2d and then it can choose to either play it in 2d or 3d by kind of rotating on the axis and uh adjusting things uh to account for the added depth uh kind of like crash bandicoot levels are essentially yeah 2D. laid out as 2d levels but just in that third dimension that actually is is a really neat way of thinking about it and what, what i like about that is the kind of the ability to think in a simplified space it, it almost in in a some way playing it 2d what would be the the grandfather of uncharted and i would i would say it might be at this point, it actually might be pitfall, right? Like way, way yeah. back going 2D with it would would give you more of a pitfall type of thing of like, oh, we're going to put crocodiles in a pond and we're going to put, uh, you know, uh, vines and sand pits and all of that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I like the idea of the multiple styles or the 2D, 3D or 2D to create and 3D to sort of play. I was also thinking that in Crash... And in Indiana Jones, you have uh, you have these like the sequences where you're being chased by something. So it's not just like these platforms are exploding behind you or everything's falling apart, but the uh, there's maybe a monster or something. And I like mm-hmm. the idea of having a monster that just kind of moves at a certain speed, but you, the player, have a little energy bar when you're designing the level and you can say at what points in the level your monster is going to kind of pick up the pace and you have a limited amount of stamina that you get to kind of assign throughout the chase sequence. So um, you kind of can really orchestrate the balance of higher pressure moments throughout one of these uh, escape sequences. It would be really interesting if, you know, we're kind of talking about this lay it out in 2D and then see it in 3D. You could even go simpler than that and just kind of assemble the stage verbally and then watch the um watch the game translate that into a 3D course. You know, you could uh 
you could just kind of like string together a, a sentences of nouns and verbs and then like kind of watch the game kind of procedurally generate based on what you on what you said because uh, essentially i mean to the machine it doesn't matter like you know it's just taking the same information and it, it's not that much more of an abstraction on that level but i wonder if uh if it could give you the chance to be surprised by what's coming as well in this in the way that you wouldn't be if you designed the course entirely bespoke by yourself i don't know if you intended to get into this realm or not but have you seen the technology i think it's called open ai that sounds familiar refresh my memory it, well i i i know that one of the things that open ai can do it it has a technology called dolly creating text from images and you can say things like, and I have to send you the link after this, but you can say, create a chair out of a portobello mushroom, and it uh-huh. will basically use its computer brain to construct what it thinks that will be. And when you look at a couple of examples here, it's really, really crazy. Maybe I'll try and... <laughs> And use it to generate one of our uh, podcast artworks at some point, just so you can see what a sphere of guacamole would look like or something like that. But um, yeah, being able to describe it in text and seeing what the computer churns out as an object, because there's, I mean, presumably if a computer can generate a 2D image and then we have different sorts of, you know, technologies and algorithms that can infer a 3D object from a 2D image. Gosh, that's like Dreams 5.0 or something, isn't it? Uh, I I think it's it's definitely possible as well because I mean, yeah, looking through the examples that they provide here, I'm sure they're kind of picking and choosing uh, what to put on the front page, but still, pretty impressive stuff that. for what uh, what they're able to create. Be great once this technology starts to be used in games. Yeah, I mean, imagine almost constructing a story or even a, a level of a game like a narrative. Like you come across a wild rabbit that is 200 feet tall, that is, you know, um, wearing a tuxedo and the game is just like, yeah, I got that. You know, it's like, I mean, Scribblenauts could do that kind of thing on the DS even back in the day. Yeah. And so like, I think taking it into 3D and, and, and I think like the, the Scribblenauts crew had a set of variables and the, the power of this would be really blowing out the, it's none of its bait. It's the no man's sky of Scribblenauts in some way. <laughs> the no man's sky of Scribblenauts. Let's, let's think of one cool gameplay hook to wrap this one up with. What, what could be kind of a interesting conceit, something that is uh, mechanical that people can do with this? Uh, I think if you did kind of an asymmetrical multiplayer game where someone writes a description of a bad guy or a monster, then the player has to describe the weapon that they would use to mm. destroy it or defend themselves against it. And then you see whose whose idea is stronger. <laughs> that could be fun. I wonder if you if there just are certain words that can beat almost anything and uh and you end up kind of leaning on some favorites. That's what happened to me in Scrubble Nuts. I know that there were a few Don't let everyone just write fire sword, fire sword, fire sword. Or just summon like a Tyrannosaurus and that was pretty much my strategy throughout the entire game but anyways i think that's a lot of fun uh let's 
Um, let's call that one and let's give it a name. I do like the idea of having AI in there, but like, have we used weird AI before? <laughs> it's just funny to see it written out. <laughs> we, we have not. I don't, I don't believe so. I mean, I, I, that, that kind we of tickles to. my particular funny bone. <laughs> we got, we got to pay homage to the accordion master himself. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, um, let's head over to our community and see what y'all have written in today. This comes from the ever-reliable Micah Square, who says, this would be a superhero physics puzzle game where players start by creating their superhero character, choosing their powers and abilities, designing their costume, etc. However, in every scenario in the game, there is nowhere where they can change into their costume, i.e. being caught in a bank line when robbers take everyone hostage or at the beach when a tsunami strikes. So the players must use their powers and environment to stop villains without giving away their secret identities to bystanders, victims, etc. Starting the clock. This is interesting because it essentially becomes a stealth game or almost like a Hitman game, but using big over-the-top Superman powers, you know? Like in Hitman, you don't want to see anybody, you don't want anyone to see you throwing a baseball at somebody else's head to knock them out. Like, you are kind of aware of multiple eyes from all different directions, but knocking somebody out with a baseball is a much more manageable task than, like, shooting lasers out of your eyes or, you know, blowing away using your, you know, ice breath or whatever it is. So we, we did talk a bit about superheroes last time as well. Um, I think that superhero management is a a fun concept. I just recently played through Desperados 3, which is a stealth game uh, that kind of takes on an isometric overhead perspective and um, very clearly kind of communicates the vision cones of what what people can and can't see and um and kind of paints that onto the map you know using that kind of clear communication could be really useful here as well this could be one of those kind of zoomed back types of situations where you just have to kind of wedge yourself in a corner that nobody can see and right do some sort of superhero thing back there i don't know i do like the idea of metal gear solid 5 actually has a little bit of this energy but comedy of hiding bodies Mm -hmm. the idea of i have to use my superpowers like uh, a super jump would be useful normally to like bound between buildings but assuming that might give me a way um instead i'm actually more i'm more using like my super jump to when i punch an enemy and they go flying because it's a crazy physics thing i jump really quickly to like grab them out of midair after the super punch and then like tuck them neatly behind something else. And so now we're, now we're in this kind of, uh, always trying to like do good and protect other people, but you can't think of any quick combat scenario without in uh, our distinct plan of how to cover your tracks immediately. So you're not thinking about just like the, Oh, I'm going to run up and punch. It's like, Oh, that guy, you know, he's, He's kind of a floor above me, so I need to like potentially punch through the floor or punch hard enough on the floor to get him to like fly up in the air and then like grab him in the air and like swoop away. It's it's almost like playing as the Flash or something. That's interesting. So using kind of um, using like Sam Fisher type of logic of staying concealed in floors where nobody's located or behind walls in vents. I mean, 
that's very Batman Arkham Asylum as well. Um, I'm just trying to think of like, how do we make, how do we bring big explosive powers into this without compromising on the stealth aspects, but also without compromising on the flashiness of the power? Because I think that's where the comedy comes from. Yeah. And when I think about a person as the Flash, I almost think of the game as like a uh, a reverse super hot, if that makes any sense, or like another twist on super hot mm-hmm. where you get to burn some amount of energy or meter to move so fast that no one can see you. And so you, you're like, okay, I can do my crazy dash through there and people will just like, you know, have the papers they're holding be kicked up. Um, <laughs> whoosh. And then, um, okay, then I have to slow down here, but I have to make sure when I slow down that I'm around a corner so that the people who I passed by won't see me and like really planning out those routes. So we could, yeah, we could do a flash style superhero game. Um, I think this is, it's a fun direction to take it in. It's so yeah, moving quickly while everyone else is relatively frozen in place. What could be fun? ways to use to use those types of tools it'd be really i mean it seems like it would be really easy to enter a dangerous scene while everything is kind of going down and just kind of you know literally running circles around people kind of quickly doing your job and getting out but how do we inject that level of challenge maybe things aren't completely paused they're moving slowly you have to be thorough in your examination of the scene you have to keep civilians safe you have to maybe think about the trajectory of bullets in the air and bricks that are flying and stuff like that Uh, maybe you like your body because you're moving at such a speed is dangerous as well as creating kind of cracks in the concrete behind you or obviously if you interact with anyone it would be like they're getting shot with a bullet but i don't know if that makes things too too punishing, too difficult to actually do anything with. Yeah. One of the things I kind of like about um, the pitch that, that Mike has going on here is what if you think about it almost like something I think we've referenced before on the show with burnout crash mode. And mm-hmm. so you're, you know, dressed as an ordinary person, you're in and around these crazy bad guy attacks and you are like, there's an explosion, there's a, you know, there's something, there's a tornado, whatever, but there's always the same moment played over and over again. Each level is a puzzle of a moment. And then you get to, you know, people, uh, people all go flying up in the air and, and you basically have to keep looking at that scenario, figuring out the puzzle of the run of like, okay, I can bring this woman back down to earth and then catch this baby and then swoop over and save this guy. And then, um, you know, uh, pull the dog back and then, and like put everyone right in place. But the trick is you have, you know, a limited amount of time that you yourself can expend that energy you know, almost like the stamina meter thing. And then you also have to end your run back doing whatever normal thing you started off doing. So, you know, you're Clark Kent reading the newspaper Mm -hmm. at a diner. And then, you know, in the blink of an eye, you have to do those 10 things and then end up back before the newspaper like falls. Yeah. It'd be fun if you have a limited 
uh, kind of gauge of kind of super speed. And it's like a 20 second timer or something like that. And so you can get up and move around at super speed. You have to be back in 20 seconds. Otherwise people notice that you've instantly kind of vanished and you can basically try to kind of contain this crime in 20 second increments. Right. So you just keep get. are you saying you like keep getting, like you get three runs at it and then that's, or maybe it takes some time for your gauge to refill. Like that takes like a five seconds or something oh, like that. Yeah. So you do have to kind of hold still, let time progress at normal speed for a little while. Um, and so it's kind of setting yourself up to be able to take that five second breather at the end and making sure that you can finish everything that you've started within that 20 second run. So it's like whoosh, 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 whoosh. And then, yeah. or it's, or kind of whoosh, whoosh, wait, <laughs> whoosh, whoosh, yeah. whoosh, wait. <laughs> um, I think we've, uh, we spent enough time with that one. That one went by pretty quickly, appropriately enough. Um, let's, let's give it a name. This could be a faster than a speeding bullet game. Man, that is exactly where my mind went to. Maybe we just, <laughs> we could also just call it speeding bullet. And you're, Speeding you're bullet, yeah. yeah, that's, that's the name of our fake superhero. There we go. No, no licensing rights to pay to anyone. <laughs> I'm sure they won't get contentious. Well, th- anyway, thank you. Anyways, <laughs> Mike Esquera for sending that one in. Uh, we would, uh, I think we are running a bit low again on user submitted pitches. And so, um, the mailbox is wide open. If you have additional ideas to support, um, if you would like to send any of your video game ideas in, you can do so by going to playwrightcast.com slash pitch. You can tweet us at playwrightcast or you can email us playwrightcast at gmail.com. Special thank you to Protodome for the use of our theme song, Hello World, off the album Blue Noise. And when you're listening to things, never a better time to go check out either the newly announced it's coming soon or, or has it started volume 10 of Canon Rinse. Yeah, Volume 10 is underway for Patreon backers uh, with uh, Hitman 2 leading off this this new season. So if you are a backer, then you can listen to that now. And if you are uh, not a backer, those will be coming in early February, I believe. So a great time to check out Canon Rinse and an even better time to go check out the Patreon and support people, support the content creators that you love. And of course... While you're listening to that Patreon, you're going to get the Sausage Factory. You're going to get Sound of Play. You're going to get all the good stuff. All right. Uh, to take us out of the show, I have a redacted game for you. Ooh. Let's see if we can get this one. Redacted versus Outlaws. Redacted follows the story of Redacted, a fearsome Redacted that captures Outlaws to raise Redacted for a mysterious Redacted procedure. After encountering the backwater town of the Redacted, Redacted discovers that there are a few too many secrets about the past and his future as a redacted. There's a few too many secrets. There is, did you say you cut out kind of in the middle of it? Did you say that I'm, I've come upon a town? Yeah. um, I guess read me the back half of the, after encountering the backwater town of the redacted redacted discovers that there are a few too many secrets about the past and his future as a redacted. After encountering a backwater town, there's a few too many secrets about his past. His, so I'm a he. Okay. Um, my first guess is uh, burning out of the blue here, but I think of, because this, you know, it sounds like a westerny thing to me. I'm going to say this is 
Oddworld Stranger's Wrath. Hey, you're right out the gate. You got you're it. Kidding. Good job. <laughs> yes. <laughs> My boy, I love this game. Did you know that about me? I love this game. I, I didn't know. I, I, I was wondering if this was one that you would have played before. I, I played it, I believe, on the original Xbox. I remember having, I mean, the the this was pre-Ratchet and Clank, right? Let's see. The original would have come out in you know, 2005. Oh, so Strangers. I think it's a bit after the first Ratchet and Clank, but kind of around that same time period. Yeah, I I loved um, so memorable in terms of the the ammo and like the bow gun with the furry yeah. dudes and stuff on it. I really got to go back and play this game. It's on it's on Switch now, right? Yeah, I want to go back and replay it as well because I I've never beaten it. I've gotten to a point on the PC version where it was like a kind of big on-foot escape sequence and I remember I think I kind of like locked myself into an unwinnable position based on where I dropped my saves. Oh no. And uh, I think it was either like a glitch in the PC version or just like that section can be like maddeningly difficult even in its original release. But uh, I, I do owe that game a solid completion one of these days. So uh, I'll, I'll return to it. And hopefully this HD version that they've released uh, fixes that problem. Yeah, that would be super cool. I I do think it's worth spending time with. I know the Metacritic score, What it's not high, right? The Metacritic for the original Xbox release actually sits at a pretty healthy 88. Okay, that's not bad. I'm seeing a 72 on the Switch. I think the Switch okay. version. Yeah, I imagine there's some dated stuff about it, but I felt Western. I felt I'm a, I'm a strange. There's something strange about me. So that makes me feel <laughs> the great. The unredacted pitch is Stranger versus Outlaws. Stranger's Wrath follows the story of Stranger, a fearsome bounty hunter that captures outlaws, to raise moolah for a mysterious surgical procedure. <laughs> After encountering the backwater town of the Grubs, Stranger discovers that there are a few too many secrets about the about the past and his future as a bounty hunter. Inspired. I gotta play. I gotta play the Hitman games too. I'm. I don't know if I. I should wait for the one and two to be updated in the three engine. So many things to play. Twenty twenty one. It's gonna be the year. Oh, right. Yeah, Hitman three comes out. I mean, it'll be out by the time that uh, this podcast goes live. So. Uh, I believe so, actually. It might be a few days. Yep, no, it'll be one day old by the time that this podcast goes live. So if you haven't played yet, just go ahead and purchase three. You might still have to own the previous games to import them into Hitman 3, but I, I can, uh, I can tell you now are... that the They're games only get better anyway. as they are updated. Side note and shout out before we end the episode to uh, a long time ago, I pitched a game that was kind of star foxian or or a space game but you are able to have diablo-esque grinding and looting and it mm -hmm. that was everspace 2 was announced a while ago i guess that's going into early access this week um makes me wish uh, i wanted to spend more time on the pc but i'll be maybe getting it on pc certainly want to play it on you know series x when i when it comes there but uh, yeah hitman 3 uh everspace 2 lots of lots of great stuff coming not not even necessarily like you know, the, the horizon zero dawns, all those, those will happen this year potentially, but yeah, it's, uh, I think more interesting games are coming out more frequently. As long as 2021 brings me my bloodborne port for either PS5 <laughs> or PC, then I'll have everything that I want. I'm, I'm, I'm holding out for and every year, you know, it's gotta be getting closer, right? 
It's going to be, what is it? Blood, what did we pitch last week? Blood Moon? Blood Below, yeah. Blood Below, yeah. That's, be, that's the, the one. I'm waiting to play Blood Below. Or what's, uh, what's the, um, the unannounced one? The, or the one that they announced, but they haven't said anything about. Oh, Elden Ring, yeah. Elden Ring, I wonder. <laughs> Gosh, I would rather get a Bloodborne 2 than an Elden Ring, but that's just me. Yeah, I mean, the thing about Elden Ring is that, like, they're bringing on George R.R. R. Martin, which I don't really have a huge amount of affection for. And like, I've never felt that the Souls game stories have been, I mean, they've been cryptic, but they've always been very interesting and very well considered, good world building. It's kind of like they're bringing in somebody else to do something that the series has already excelled in. I just don't know why the extra personnel is necessary. All right. Well, I guess until next time, sir. All right. Uh, We'll catch you again later. Bye. (laughs) 